talking about something that affects so many people, but that nobody wants to talk about. Pornography. Speaking to individuals trying to stop looking at porn, and to spouses looking for support. This is Danny and Lindsay Pullman, a married couple who have been through this together. We're sharing a mix of our personal experiences, our experience as certified life coaches, and other empowering ideas. We hope this can help you on your journey. Enjoy! What's up, guys? Hey, everyone. Hey, we are... uh... Started in a new lockdown here in France. What about you guys? Are you into a new lockdown in the U.S., wherever you are, U.K., all you other English speakers who listen to this podcast? Um, This is a problem in some ways. For me, I mean, we work from home, so it doesn't affect me that much. I'm more introverted, so even socially, (laughs) it doesn't affect me as much as it does Lindsay. Yeah. But... I can't play basketball. I just found two groups to play with. I've been playing every week, twice a week, and now I can't play. I'm pretty bummed. Um, I'm disappointed. Yeah, yesterday we... So the one thing that's hard for me where I've decided it's a problem, and I'm saying problem because that's what our episode's on today, um, (laughs) is that I can't exercise more than a kilometer from my house. So I can bike ride up and down the street a half mile, which doesn't really work for me so anyway yesterday Danny indulged my desire with to go on a bike ride with me a long bike ride with me for a good hour and a half or something it was, that was awesome fun. that was a good ride it was like our one last ride before confinement yeah Confinement. And, and if you follow me on Instagram which hopefully all of you do you can see pictures and details of like little things that we're up to during confinement just yeah. a lot of fun and you can get more of a feel for what we're doing during the week, you know, coaching topics that I like to offer and ideas, and also you can just get to know us better. Yeah. And actually, this week you uh, might have. What's your Instagram? Oh, my Instagram tell handle is <laughs> Lindsay Pullman Coaching. Pretty easy. There you go. And mine is Danny Pullman Coaching. And if you're not on there, you missed Danny's an Insta story that showed Danny and his man bun from 2017. Check out the man bun, guys. I went through a phase. It was a good one. It could be in the highlights section, but yeah, it was really good. <laughs> All right. Well, and we don't want to take lightly the way that the confinement does affect people, right? We've got yeah. people in hospitals <clears throat> who are struggling, and I know there are people still dying from this too, right? We're getting better yeah. treating it. But um, I was uh, messaging with my cousin, who's a nurse, and she said some nurses are quitting, and uh they're like asking the nurses to work extra and it's like it's a big deal you know and then um when people are having to stay home from work Mm -hmm. uh, during these times so we know it's uh it can be a challenge for a lot of you um in different ways and so that's part of why we're talking about what we're talking about today is when we have these problems Mm -hmm. um Everybody's got problems, right? And how do we approach our problems? What are some of the ways we approach them that aren't as helpful? And how do we approach it in a more helpful way, right? So that's what yeah. we're diving into. Lindsay, why don't you yeah. let us know? And the reason we wanted to talk about this today is because we had that podcast episode just two episodes ago on, you know, get some new problems. Yeah, yeah. And so we just wanted to have like offer you guys a clear guide on how to specifically look at the individual problems that you have and see what you can do on your own, you know, after listening to this podcast and after getting my guide that you can get from the show notes, 
see what you can do on your own and obviously reach out for help if you need more help. So the first question I have for you, for you listeners or for Danny is, do you guys have that friend where no matter where you go or when, when unexpected stuff happens, they're just super chill and calm and you're not (laughs) Mm. like, have you ever been hiking and there's that person who's scared of everything or who freaks out when a fly lands on their shoulder or that could be me actually the fly thing um i think of my my stepdad especially when you talk about hiking um because he loves hiking but he's the kind (laughs) of guy who he's just like he doesn't freak out at the same stuff that i do Uh (laughs) or that other people do (laughs) you know Yeah. Very calming influence. Dogs always, and kids, <laughs> he, he laughs about it. Like, dogs and kids always go right up to him because I think he just has that calm energy that kind of draws people in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I have an uncle that I call the baby whisperer because it's actually your uncle, technically, but um, I think it was who just, people just gravitate towards him because he has that calm manner. Who? Bob. Oh. <laughs> uncle Bob. Yeah, okay. So here's the thing. It's like sometimes we have those people in our lives and we're like, how do they do that? Why are they so calm? And in the face of fear or whatever unexpected stuff happens. And here's the thing. You know, some people can just, they might look calm on the outside and they're not calm on the inside. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about people who are calm and grounded. And the difference is how they're thinking. They are thinking differently than you and that's why they're feeling differently and their body is even appearing different, right? So let's say that there's like a fly in a room buzzing around and one person is like, oh, I can't get any work done. I can't get any work done because that fly is buzzing, 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 right? That starts with you thinking something and feeling something and you know, just choosing to be annoyed or distracted by the fly. When someone else could be in the same room and be like, it's what? It's not even a problem. Yeah. Yeah, and you were saying it's like it's not like someone is just a calm person and the other per- person isn't a calm person. It's mm-hmm. really everything to do with what they're thinking in that moment, right? Yeah. That's yeah. interesting to think about, especially like, you know, when it comes to things like depression or anxiety, um, how people talk about how it can run in families, mm-hmm. right? And I don't want to discount that at all. Um but at the same time, as someone who's struggled with those things in some very challenging ways. Um, and it's running your family too, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's, it's really worth uh, examining the idea that part of why it runs in families could be just because of some of the habitual thinking that kind of gets passed down mm-hmm. um, through the way we learn from our family and live with those people day in and day out, right? Um, yeah. That could be part of why. It runs in families, right? And and so, I mean, in my experience, the more I practice changing my thinking, the uh-huh. more I was able to manage the depression, the anxiety, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And, I mean, there's also research showing you can actually change your genes, too. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I just don't uh, – what I'm saying is let's not put ourselves in a box when it, when it comes to, like, saying, oh, they're just a calm person or it just runs in my family. Like, yeah, I think it's very worth – pushing the envelope where Mm -hmm. you can because I think we have more power than we realize there a lot of times. Yeah, yeah. And the way I like to think of it real quickly is I think we just, we do have a layer of hormonal genetic makeup of some sort and then we can choose how we want to layer on top of that layer with our thinking. 
So, you know, whether it's like depression running in your family, anxiety running in your family, having a monthly period cycle, like, yes, there are hormones and things going on in our body. And we get to choose how we layer, like compound, minimize or neutralize based on our thinking. So, yeah. All right. Back to how to solve any problem. So we're going to go through a little step by step and just kind of dig into each step. And yeah, let's just jump in. Yeah. So what are the steps? All right. So the steps are the first step is identify the problem. And the second step is ask yourself why it's a problem. Third, evaluate your reaction. Four, do the manual work, which we'll explain. Um, five, be in charge of you. And for some of us, there's a step six called change your thinking about the past. Yeah. 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 Six steps to solve any problem. Pretty much. Like, wow. I thought through lots of different problems. I thought about struggles I've had with, you know, past struggles I had in the past with regard to your porn use. Um, I thought about struggles with, you know, when we have struggles at work, with our kids, all the things. You guys, this little guide works wonders. Yeah, for sure. And if you still feel stuck after, that's when you can reach out to us for more help and we can help you. Because sometimes we have a hard time having an actual shift until we become more aware of some thoughts or things like that. And so sometimes when we're stuck, we can get like stuck in our own little paradigm, thinking paradigms. And so as a coach, you know, I think this guide can help you with a little mini shift. And the cool thing is, is like, if it does help you, that's where the magic starts and we can kind of keep going from there. All right. So first problem, first thing, identify the problem. All right. So what I like to do when I'm looking at a problem is just separate out the facts from your story. Okay. So whatever the story is, I'm trying to think of a specific example. I mean, we could just talk about, you know, I could talk about my problem with you know, Danny's porn use like three or four years ago. And it was a struggle for me because in my head, it was the porn use, right? Danny looked at pornography or he looked at pixels on a computer. But what I was doing is I was kind of like writing a story around that. And so, but if you think about it, like the fact was Danny looked at pixels on a screen and I was making it a problem because of how I was choosing to think about it, right? <clears throat> and so separating out the facts can be really helpful because then you can see what you're making the facts mean about you and why you're making it a problem. And what this does is it gives you all of your emotional responsibility back. So if you're upset about something, you can see that it's how you're thinking about it and how you're making it mean. And it has so much less to do with what the other person is doing. And so here's the thing, like, even if that's the case, it doesn't mean that you just stop, that we're like never supposed to be angry or never supposed to have problems anymore. It's just a way to like keep the ball, like knowingly keep the ball in your court, the ball of emotions that you feel in your court and being really aware that like you're angry about something or disappointed in something. Yeah. Yeah. Like even the example you used of how you can really neutralize the language when you separate out the facts like mm -hmm. he looked at pixels on a screen right some of you might be thinking no he looked at porn and porn's way worse than pixels it's not the same as any other pixel right or picture of pixels and but the reason it can be helpful to do this is it helps you to see what um 
all the things you are making it mean right mm-hmm. that he did look at these pixels that we call pornography right mm-hmm. and even if we want to think that looking at porn is not the same as looking at pixels which i do i want to distinguish that like mm-hmm. and i want to show my kids how to distinguish between that right yeah. um, but recognizing that it's a choice of how we approach our thinking about it is so much more empowering than just saying no it's porn porn is bad this person's bad for looking at right like you can start identifying more easily all that story you tell about it mm-hmm. and when you own it like Lindsay said you get the ball in your court yeah. and you want that you want that then you have the power yeah exactly another like mini example might be you know maybe maybe there was you found out that there was like a girls night or something like that and you didn't know about it until a few days later and you felt really bad about it you know, sometimes we might think, oh, she didn't include me. That person is mean or she might not care about me. All the things like you can make it mean so many things. And for that person, it might have been as simple as I can only invite, I can only fit four people at my dinner table. So I'm going to pick the four, first four people I think of. It can be that simple, right? So the fact might be I didn't receive a text from Shonda. It's a weird name, but it just popped into my head. Shonda. Shonda. Good old Shonda. She's the best. I didn't receive a text. But, like, seriously, though, the fact is I didn't receive a text from Shonda. That's it. That's the fact. And then what's the story that you're making it mean? Oh, she doesn't care. She forgot about me. I obviously don't belong here. It's like this whole narrative that might make, you know, you feel bad or sad or lonely. And just be aware that that might be something that you're creating with your brain. And it actually has not, like, that's not, she had no intention to do that or create that. And she actually can't. So just kind of be aware of, like, what you're creating. Even if she did have the intention, she can't, right? Yeah, yeah. So, like, with my women, you know, whose husbands are looking at porn, you know, sometimes they might come to me thinking something like, oh, there's... Like, maybe there's something I should be doing more of. Maybe I'm not keeping him happy in the bedroom. Um, You know, stuff like that. I've tried everything. I don't know what to do. I'm at a loss. I can't keep him happy. I'm just confused. A lot of people come to me feeling really trapped, right? And when we're feeling trapped, the problem with that is we're not accessing our creative powers. So as we move through the steps, that's the beauty of it too, is like when we can clean up your brain and your thinking around these problems, then you can access that creative solving problem solving part of you awesome yeah so step two ask yourself why is this a problem that's the step ask yourself why yeah just see why for this kind of thing i I find it really helpful to like write it down Mm -hmm. why is it a problem and then ask myself why again (laughs) yeah until you like really see why do I make this a problem? Yeah, right? So with pornography, it might be, well, because he's looking at these other women or, and, you know, I think it's interesting the, like, the line of thinking. It's almost like this funnel that, you know, women go through and it starts pretty broad, but it's like he's looking at other women. He obviously doesn't care about me. He, you know, some people think it's, um, choose to think it's a direct attack on their families. Um and it's going to put their eternal family at stake. Um, yeah, the, the religious views play a big role with uh, the our religious, community, right? The religious, a huge role. And that's another area where 
it can be uh, really natural to just assume that all of those things are just facts mm-hmm. that are external to us, right? And we're mm-hmm. kind of taught to think that way in the church. But when it comes to approaching your problems and your brain with this stuff, it can be helpful to like step back and recognize, you know what? Even though I've learned this at church, and even if you've had experiences with the Spirit that you feel, right, then you're, you still get to choose that story. It's still a choice if you choose to subscribe to all of those beliefs, right? Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean you don't want to, but yeah. recognizing that it's your choice is so much different than just saying, no, I like this is just how it is. Yeah, and I, I want to offer too, like within, you know, I talk to a lot of people about this, whether it's, you know, their husbands looking at porn or their kids looking at porn or a friend of a friend or whatever it is. And, you know, I've talked to other coaches and a lot of LDS people and non-LDS people. And I will tell you, the stories that they make about it are all completely unique individual to that individual person based on experiences that they've had. So I've noticed women whose dads had porn problems and now their husbands do. I think for them there's a lot more fear because if there was a divorce or things like that, I they might be under the impression that they're going to have to relive some stuff that they haven't really absolved or worked through. And so just know that your unique viewpoint is unique to you and you get to, you know, as we go through these steps, you can choose when you're ready to reframe whatever it is that you're thinking, reframe your story. Yeah. That's where this step really helps you dig into what is your unique viewpoint. Just ask yourself why, why is it a problem? Yeah. I think a pretty straightforward question you can ask yourself and it's not to be, you know, rude or anything, but just ask yourself, so what? So what? It's a helpful coaching question. Yeah. and the Ask reason... it with compassion, guys. Right. Come on. Yeah. And it, the reason why is it basically reveals your thinking around the problem, right? I think it can bring up a little bit like, so what? Well, of course, this is, it says this here. It says this here. I know this family here that got divorced here. And, you know, the thing is, too, I think there's so much more that happens when a family gets divorced than pornography. I think sometimes that's just the outward thing that people talk about that say ended a marriage when usually there's so much more going on. Yeah. You know? So, yeah. Do you so have any other things? No, let's do step three. All right. So, and in, within step two, just real quick, is I think figuring out what you really want can be helpful too. And so that's kind of what I was talking about too. So yes, like you can ask yourself, so what? And another thing, you know, instead of focusing on what's wrong and what the problem is, focusing on what we really want can be really helpful too within this step. So how do I want to feel about this, right? Yeah. If our kid, you know, steals candy from a store, there's so many different ways a mom is going to think about that. Some people might people think some people might think, oh, we need to instill fear in this kid, and we need to be vindictive, and we need to do these things. And other people might think, oh, look, here's an opportunity to teach our kids about not taking stuff that isn't theirs, you know. So how do I want to feel about this? And just know that however you're choosing to feel is for you. So if you're wanting to feel love, like you can, even you know, even within the realm of you know your husband. You finding out that your husband's looking at porn, you might want to feel disappointed for a little bit, and you might might want to process that. And then when it comes to making decisions, you know you might want to make those decisions from a place of love. So that option of how you want to feel about anything is always available to you. 
Oh man, I just thought of a time I got accused of stealing candy from a store. Aww. I might need to do some coaching on this sometime. How old were you? I think I was like <laughs> 10 or 11, you know? Really? My, yeah, I ran to the candy store by myself and my mom gave me some money. She sometimes would do that. Want to go grab some candy? And I'd go down the goalie and I was reaching, I had a piece of candy from the store in my hand and I reached into a bag of candy I already bought at another store mm. to get my money out of there. <laughs> But because I had the other piece in my hand, when I reached in and came out with the money, the guy thought, wow, mm. we can go into this more later. Maybe that oh, can be that's an kind Insta story. You can put that in your Insta stories. <laughs> he actually ended up believing me. I, I was fine. Yeah. So asking yourself how you want to feel about it is just a way for you to open up yourself to creativity. Because when we're solving problems, you guys, we want to solve, well, at least for me personally, <clears throat> I like to solve them from a space of like creative, you know, creative, wise, peaceful, calm. Like I like to be in that space because um, I feel like that's when I have the most clarity. So asking yourself questions about how you would want to feel can help you get into a space where you're thinking in a way to problem solve in a way that serves you more in the long run, at least for me. All right, step three, yeah. ev evaluate your reaction. This is so good. How do you react? How are you reacting to the problem? Are you paying attention to your feelings? Are you pretending it away? Are you re reacting towards your kids or your husband? Are you walking around with intense anxiety all the time? Are you feeling out of control? Are you feeling safe? You know, what do you do when it comes to your problem? And just evaluate. Yeah, just evaluate. How, you know, a lot of us, you know, with our problems, we resist, avoid, we don't like the emotion that comes up, and so we might want to resist, avoid, avoid, or react. And so just ask yourself, like, what is my natural thing? For some women, it might be over-cleaning the house. For others, it might be, you know, watching Netflix and eating ice cream sundaes. It might be just, like, numbing out in any way that you can, um, shopping, whatever things. Just kind of just pay attention and evaluate. Yeah, for a lot of people, it's judging themselves, right? A lot of guys that I work with, it's like... They just kind of go straight into, I need to beat the heck out of myself to make sure I don't do this anymore, mm -hmm. right? But it actually ends up being a good thing to notice because typically it compounds the problem more than helps it. Yeah. You know? So we want to start noticing how we do react mm -hmm. and kind of keep tabs on it and start like paying attention. Does that way of reacting actually get you the intended results or not? Let's yeah. start kind of like gathering some data there. Yeah, and from a space of, you know, we've said this in other episodes, but from a space of compassion, love, observation, curiosity, because yeah. we're not evaluating to, like, beat ourselves up, like Get Jenny a, said. Yeah, test score, uh, I don't know, it's more. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, step four, we call this do the manual work. All right, so people can seem like problems to us because we've created manuals for them of how we want them to behave. We've talked about this in other episodes, but just pay attention if you are tying your emotional life into whether someone follows this invisible instruction guide that you have for them. Um, a lot of us don't even recognize that we're doing this, and so recognize what, if there's someone who is creating a problem for you, why? What? instruction guide do you have for them brothers yeah. should do this parents should be this way grandparents should always want to watch the grandkids this can be a sneaky one and a hard one to see in mm -hmm. your own brain you got to really pay attention for this one and 
it's not always fun to <clears throat> to recognize that you might have something to do with the pain that comes from these manuals. Mm-hmm. And that's part of why we don't let them go is because we kind of want it to be the yeah. other person's fault, right? Yeah, for sure. And I will say it was easiest for me to drop my manuals about, you know, of other people in my lives and the hardest for me to drop my manual for my husband and how I wanted him to behave. So, because I really did feel like, you know, there were just so many ingrained beliefs that I had about what a husband should be doing, saying, you know, how they should be providing, what that looks like specifically. So for me to, you know, really bring all my thoughts about it to my awareness and see how even if I believe that stuff was true, it was still creating a lot of angst and frustration and resentment for me. And so dropping my, I call it the golden manual, dropping my golden manual for my husband was one of the best things. My golden. Golden, because it just seems, I don't know. Like the most precious manual to you that you really don't want (laughs) to let go of. (laughs) No, golden, I think just like, I just think of something really sturdy, like that one shouldn't be, you know, paper manuals. They could just kind of like disappear, get torn, doesn't really matter. I don't know. Like the golden plates. They lasted longer because they weren't paper. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it makes Same sense. Same kind of thing? Like, I don't know. <laughs> Whatever you want to think. <laughs> so for me, dropping the golden manual for my husband was one of the best acts of love that I could have done for me. And it was not, like, ladies, this is not a way to become a doormat. It doesn't mean you're going to become a doormat. And I think what it, but it brought me the most peace and empowerment to my life than I probably ever felt So just know that dropping your manual isn't going to get your husband to look at porn more or less. Because I think that's why a lot of my clients have that fear. They're like, oh, but if I stop getting mad, then he's just going to, who knows how much he'll start looking. And, you know, usually what I ask is, well, are they, have they stopped up to this point when you've been getting mad all these years? And usually they're like, oh, (laughs) oh. Okay, so being mad about it hasn't gotten him to stop. So what's the point? Yeah. Right? And then you can decide, you know, what the point, the goal here for you women is to just get in this place of deep love and acceptance for yourself so that you can just keep deciding deliberately and lovingly what it is you want for your life. Okay? So it doesn't mean, like, he might never stop and he might be trying to stop and he might be not stopping. Um, but what you can do when you do drop your manual for him is just be clear that like you are the person in charge of your emotions and you know, you can still ask for help. It doesn't mean we just stop asking for help or asking for things. We just know that we're owning our emotions around whether he helps or doesn't help follow through or doesn't follow through. Yeah. Do you have anything you want to add to that? Oh, I mean, for my guys, like... This is this kind of work, the manual work, is so empowering emotionally, right? And when you have this habit you've typically turned to a lot of times to escape painful emotions, it can be a powerful tool to help you out as you're transitioning from that escapism to managing, owning all of your emotions, right? Um, and, I mean, when you start realizing just how much power you do have over your emotions it makes them so much less threatening and it removes 
the the need that that quote unquote need that you feel for turning to porn in those situations. So it's so helpful um, for changing a habit like porn and really for going after any goal that you have that can empower you. Yeah, I mean, a lot of us too, with the manual stuff, we generally have the same or even more restrictive um, manuals for ourselves. And so that's why it can be so hard to drop our manuals for other people too. We're like, but this is what I expect of me. And so that's usually what people learn when they drop start dropping manuals for other people. But here's the thing, like when we re- release all the rules and expectations and we start just listening to ourselves and what we want and listening to the other person too, then we can hear more of what's going on for them, let go of what we want them to do, and our relationships really do change, okay? And we can start understanding, like opening up our brain to a more solution-oriented place so that we can like make decisions from a different perspective that isn't clouded by our thinking about what we're wanting them to do. You know, so we're turning more inward and becoming more empowered. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And then, you know, ultimately just think about how it feels when someone is trying to make you do something <laughs> just so they can feel happy about it, right? Like Yeah. Like who likes that? Nobody really does. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah, and I think it's so funny too. But like, we do it to each other. It's kind of how we learn to do it. Yeah, so. and I think the funny thing too is even when the spouse does acquiesce, then you know, women will come to me and be like, "But not only do I want him now, he's stopped doing this thing, but I want him to want to stop." And so it's always like, if you don't change your thinking around someone else's behavior, you're still gonna find problems with their change of behavior. Like, well, he did the dishes, but I want him to want to do the dishes or I want him to do it without me having to ask. And so that's just like, those are all examples of how it's not what they're doing or not doing. It's like our, the way we're thinking about it. Yeah. I will say I, I haven't felt like I've had tons of manuals for you, but I might <laughs> and just not know it. I'm still learning. <laughs> um, Cause what I realized recently with my coach is she helped me identify that I did have a manual for Lindsay in a certain way and I hadn't quite realized I think I kind of knew it was there but I was kind of not wanting to look at it right but then it came to a point where with what I was working on I needed to look at it and um, having a coach to walk me through that made all the difference I don't think I would have processed through that maybe at all at this point without her um Mm -hmm. and if I did it would have been way slower without a coach like it just it helps to have a coach walk you through this manual stuff in a big way yeah so yeah thanks for sharing on that step five be in charge of you so this fifth part of the process is about just being really aware it kind of I feel like it kind of couples with step four but just becoming more and more aware of who was in charge of you Are you allowing yourself to be controlled by your external circumstances or are you choosing to use your, like, be, so let me reword that. Are you being controlled by your external circumstances or are you being controlled by your mind? Are you allowing yourself to be in charge of everything you think and everything you feel? Like, what is it that you want? Okay. And so this is just kind of an extra step to help you really see where your thinking is and what your thinking is coming from other people but it actually might just be coming from you yeah classic example of this is 
she hurt my feelings or he hurt mm-hmm. my feelings, right? We're taught this from such a young age. Yeah. And, um, you know, maybe it's just an easy way to say it. But in reality, she said these words, mm-hmm. which were actually neutral to your brain and your experience. And then you felt whatever feeling. But in between mm-hmm. those two things is another step, which is your own thought creating that feeling for you. Mm-hmm. And that thought is totally optional. Yep. Yeah, for sure. And I think we've had different, you know, I don't know if if this helps, but look at something in your life that someone could say to you today and it wouldn't fluster you versus like 10 years ago. Mm, I like that. Yeah. You know, and if there has been a change there, it could be just your thinking, just your thinking. And so that's why we're saying that's a like... a good example of any, it, huh? Any problem you're having today, right now, is because of the way that you are thinking in this present moment about the past, about the future, or about this present moment. Yeah, and if it hurts, it's probably a good sign that you're buying into the same thing that that person is saying about you, right? Mm-hmm. That you're, like, believing it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, for sure. Because I've just noticed as I've like developed and grown in my belief of self and like my, you know, developed my sense of self to the point where it is, you know, so much of like what Danny does, I just, am, I'm such a believer that it doesn't have stuff to do with me. And I feel like that ratio has shifted so much over the past four years since I found coaching. It's been such a big game changer. Yeah. So, and it's been great in my parenting too. Yeah. I don't blame myself as much. I don't take as much personally. It's been awesome. Yeah, this stuff affects relationships in a hugely impactful, wonderful way. Yeah. It's just, it's been awesome to experience that as a couple for us. Yeah. Okay, the last step, you know, some, the thing too I want to offer is you actually might get to step two and be like, oh, this isn't a problem and you can just be done. And so I feel like each step is kind of a successive step where if you're still feeling like it's a problem, just keep going. And that's why I love this step six. It's called change your thinking about the past. So the the final piece of this process is deciphering the difference between whether you want your future or your past because a lot of our problems come from thinking about our past and trying to renegotiate our past. Mm -hmm. We want to rewrite it so badly. We just want it to be different. But here's the thing. The only way you can rewrite your past is by rewriting what you're making it mean. Like you can negotiate, what does Byron Katie say? You can negotiate with the past all you want. You'll only lose 100% of the time. Uh, what's, or what can, is that? She's like, when you argue with reality, oh, that's right. you lose, but only 100% <laughs> of the time. This is so good. So you can't rewrite or change the past, but we can totally reframe what we make that mean. Yeah. Do you have anything you want to share, like an experience that, like a short experience about how you've been able to reframe anything from your past? Oh, uh, I mean, I've done it so many times. Um, <laughs> and it's just like, yeah, what's one I could choose? Um, <laughs> you can think about it. I mean, a, 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 uh, one of the big ones is when I was sexually abused. Mm. And at first I just thought, you know, man this is uh this means all sorts of terrible things i thought uh, and usually it came back to me blaming myself for it mm-hmm. happening for things going down the way it did which mm-hmm. is what a lot of people in that situation do especially if you're a kid um and for me those memories didn't come back till 
was in my 30s, right? So, so when I was going through this, I just, yeah, I felt so disempowered and stuck and, you know, angry, thinking things should have been different with the, what happened with this person. And, um, and I was arguing with reality. But when I started, yeah, shifting into accepting that it did happen the way it did and um, reframing it and recognizing, like, really, it had nothing to do with me at all. <laughs> it was all this other person. Mm -hmm. um, so much healing and empowerment came out of that process. Some of the hardest work I've done in my life. Um, but at the same time, it's, yeah, you... Nothing changed but my brain, the way I was thinking about it in my brain. That's the only thing that changed. And yet I went from, you know, regularly waking up in night sweats, traumatized, not sleeping, to, like, healing and off medication and uh, excited about my future again, you know? Like, <laughs> and it, so it all has to do with just reframing um the way that I looked at some of these past events in my life. So, I mean, that's one of the big ones that I can share. Yeah. No, thanks for sharing that. Yeah. So here's the thing. This guide that we're giving you is such a good first step. And also, like Danny said, having a coach really helped him work through a lot more of the steps too in a, in a deeper way. But just keep in mind, like... Is helping. I'm, is helping. I, I still meet with her. Yes, of course. So... Keep in mind, the only thing that's affecting you is the thought you're having right now about your past, okay? You just need to change your thinking about it in this moment for things to change. You don't need anyone to apologize to you. You don't need anyone to change what they did because they can't. It's already done. All you need to do is decide that you're going to feel differently about it because you're going to change the way you think about it. Yeah, that's such a good reminder. Like that's that'd be something just worth reminding myself every day the rest of my life. <laughs> like <laughs> your past isn't what affects you. It's only your thought in this moment about the past that affects you. That's just yeah. like one of those mind blowing type of sentences. Mm -hmm. You know, that so awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And so I mean just let that blow your mind for a little bit. And if there's something you believe about your past, your adolescence or your childhood you know, if you believe that that was horrible, you will feel horrible today as you think about it. Also, you don't have to believe that. You can choose to believe something different. What if you were supposed to struggle? What if you didn't have a horrible childhood? What if everyone is meant to have certain experiences in childhood, right? What if none of us had an idyllic, perfect childhood? Okay, so... This might be a stretch for some of you, but maybe it isn't for others. What if you could be thankful for what you experienced in your childhood or your adolescence or in your 20s? What if you could be thankful for that instead of arguing with it and just being continuously upset about it? Oh, man, that used to feel like such a stretch for me. Like That mm -hmm. didn't even feel like an option yeah. with the sexual abuse stuff. It did yeah. not even feel like an option. Like, no way will I ever be grateful for this, ever. <laughs> But now I truly am. Mm -hmm. Like I, I look at the growing, the learning, the healing I've done from everything that came of that. And like I truly am grateful for it. Like I wouldn't want to trade it out of my past mm -hmm. at this point. 
because it like I want it in my past. Wow. Does that make sense? Because of what's come from it, and I mean, if if I heard myself, my future self saying this five years ago, I would have been like, "That's not me. <laughs> no way. <laughs> That's crazy. That will never be me." Yeah. Right? Wow. I mean. I just, I think it's incredible to hear everything that you're saying. So I can't speak for you, but it's pretty amazing for me to hear that, especially because I've been with you as you've uncovered all of this stuff, you know? Yeah. Um, so my next part of part six, it's all together, but it's all mixed in one, but focusing on the future and on solutions, right? This is where we can get more creative with our brains. Also, I think a way to baby step yourself into this is to really validate yourself where you are and focus on the future, right? Mm -hmm. So the, the goal of this step is not to just like be like, oh, I shouldn't think about that. No, that blah, blah, blah. Like I need to just focus on the future. That's not what we're telling you. Like if you keep getting feeling like you're stuck in your past, my guess <coughs> is that there's probably something that still needs to be processed there or worked through or reframed. But you can also reframe, work through stuff, let yourself be right where you are, and focus on the future and on solutions, right? So you can think something like, I, I don't feel like I could ever get to a place where I'm grateful for this experience that happened. And I'm going to keep learning. And if there is a way, I'm going to figure it out. Does that make sense? So you're just, you're loving and owning yourself right where you are, but you're also opening up your mind to possibility instead of, you know, just being, having your thinking based on the past. Does yeah. that make sense? That's so powerful. That's, uh, that's something that takes practice and it's like a continual practice for, sure. for me, um, is really accepting right where I'm at now mm -hmm. while also like opening up to and anticipating and working toward that future, you know, that has some differences in it. Mm -hmm. Like doing both simultaneously. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's like when I can get in that frame of mind, that's usually where I'm able to like start really growing and progressing, but mm -hmm. I don't naturally go there all the time. Yeah. I do more so than ever now, but... Um, and this is something I work on with my clients a lot, right? Like the guys who can shift into this type of space more are the guys who actually start getting those results they're looking for. Yeah. I mean, when you start thinking about your future mm -hmm. and you start getting excited about it, there really is no limit to what you can create. And I really believe that. I think about where what me and Danny are doing with our lives right now. I would have never even been able to fathom or dream that we would be doing what we're doing, living where we're living, raising the kids we're raising our children, like any of this. I couldn't even allow myself to dream of that 10 years ago. So yeah, and there's amazing. A, there's a difference between like thinking the future, being excited about it because you think it'll all just be way better mm -hmm. and just being excited about it for, um, for other reasons, more helpful reasons, right? Like, and the ironic thing about this is the the more that you can learn to accept now and create the type of life experience you want for yourself right now in this moment mm -hmm. the more easily in my experience it is to look forward to the future because yeah. you realize oh like it can be more of this 
Mm -hmm. right and i can grow in these ways right i know i'm gonna still have the 50 50 human emotional experience here and there right and i'm i know that i'm worthy now and there but it's easier to look forward to that future when you're like more fully accepting this moment i think yeah yeah so the fun thing is is for the most helpful reasons you know yeah so the last question i want to ask you and it's all part of this part step six is you know what if nothing circumstantial actually has to change for you to feel better about this problem what it's amazing yeah it's so amazing and a lot of my growth came i'm gonna be straight with you guys before i found coaching before danny so i was able to figure a lot of stuff out before he did change I mean, I know he was changing in his own way and healing and all that stuff, but like my perception of her, him changing, I didn't really know. And But I will say I was able to turn inward and figure out a lot of this stuff without the quote-unquote external circumstance changing. Yeah, the ones you were the looking for The ones that I was looking for. for exactly. Yeah, <laughs> right. exactly. The, all the stuff that I perceived and I saw. Because if you think about it, a lot of our reality really just is our perception what we see it's our interpretation of what we see so yeah yeah. all right so i just want you to know that you know remind yourself like there can be more for you you always have access to the solution and you know ask yourself like if i had the solution to all of this what would it be you know so you can walk away feeling more or start your day or start your week feeling more liberated hopeful and empowered so that you can take action and you know start taking action towards solutions that you want to have so that you can at least have some data to evaluate. So today, if I was to offer anything to you, I would say take action, go to the show notes, get the freebie so that you have this little mini guide to refer to the next time you have a problem come up. Yeah, what are the six steps again? Just read through them one more time. Yes, of course. Review. All right, so one, identify the problem. Two, ask yourself why it's a problem. Three, evaluate your reaction. Four, do the manual work. Five, be in charge of you. And six, change your thinking about the past. I was nodding my head the whole time you were reading that. (laughs) Just amen. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Have a wonderful day. Get those show notes if you want them. Follow me on Instagram at Lindsay Pullman Coaching or Danny at Danny Pullman. Yeah, yeah. Check out the, the freebie in the show notes. And also, if you're starting to realize how helpful this approach is um, and you want more and you want the coaching experience or at least to find out about the one-on-one coaching experience which really can take the way you solve and work through your problems to this whole other level mm-hmm. um, if you're ready to explore that as an option go today right now to our websites um, lindsaypullman.com mm-hmm. and dannypullman.com Right, P-O-E-L-M-A-N, people. And go to the Work With Me page. Schedule a free consult today. We'd love to meet with you. Just explore options. All right. Have a good day, you guys. Bye. Thanks for listening. If you're ready to get unstuck, move forward, or just feel better about your life and marriage, please reach out to us, whether it's for both of you or just yourself. You'd be surprised how much progress can be made in your marriage even if one of you works on the relationship. Don't wait for someone else to make things better for you. For more information or to find out what it would be like to have a coach, visit our websites, lindsaypullman.com and dannypullman.com. 
Make sure you spell Pullman, P-O-E-L-M-A-N. For freebies or other guides mentioned, check out the show notes. And to our current clients, we love you and thank you for letting us be a part of your hero's journey. Thank you.